Castrol is a film podcast filled with dubious opinions, plot spoilers, and a healthy sprinkling of bad language. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. It's Nick here. Just wanted to tell you about uh, today's episode. Um, so it's a little bit of a different approach for today. So um, this is a bit of a part deep dive, part review, and of course, um, a delicious recasting. Um, this ended up being quite an epic uh, chat, discussion, argument at times. And so we decided to split this into two parts. So this is part one. Really hope you enjoy it. Part two will be out really, really soon as well. Probably do it a bit quicker than usual. Um, And yeah, it's just two parts of the same conversation. And yeah, we'd love to see what you think. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hello and welcome to Casterol, the fortnightly movie podcast that each episode takes one of your favourite films and aims to serve you up a delicious recasting. My name is Jim and joining me at the stove this week, unfortunately, are my two co-hosts, <laughs> my sous chefs as it were, Sam and Nick. Hello. Hello. I'm yeah. rude, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's not our fault, it's a crap film. And do you know what, this was the first one in a while where we've got interrupted purposely yeah. your intro. I know, so, I bet it's done, I wish you did. Yeah. Really nice. Just you wait till next time. So, how, how are we guys? I'm, I'm, I'm still living, if you haven't noticed, which means episode four hasn't resulted in a mass riot. Ah, Gladiator. Yes. I'm, I'm sure it's coming, I'm sure the pitchforks. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's for episode five. Yeah, to be fair, I think more people will be pissed <clears throat> off about episode five. Yeah, oh God, okay. But who's Ghostbusters? Yeah. Well, it's okay, well, I'm not giving out Nick's address just yet. Please <laughs> don't. So here we are, this is episode six. This will be episode six. Ooh, we made it. We're, I know, we're getting into numbers now, aren't we? Yeah. We are. Getting into numbers. Yeah, up yeah. into the high... We're, to be fair, we've always, we've always been <laughs> the in the ones. numbers. <laughs> we're getting to the high ones. Yeah, yeah that's going to be good. <clears throat> Well, I mean, so Jim, explain this week's. Well, we, do we not want to discuss what we've been watching this week? Well, I, I think I think everyone will know what we've been watching. You know, the only thing I've watched is the film we were doing today, because this has been a slightly shorter gap for us, I think, between recordings. So am I the only one that's actually watched a film, other than the film we're doing? Um, maybe. I've watched some TV. Um, Hang on a minute, so you've watched the book, film... Bookmark this episode... <laughs> Bookmark it. It probably won't happen again. But <laughs> so bookmark it. Not only have you watched the film that we're doing unbelievably twice. Yes. Once you, over Christmas and then once last night. You've had a chance to watch other films. Uh, one like more film. One other film, yes. Wow. What was it? It was uh, the latest film from the greatest franchise of all time, Mission Impossible. Wow. Greatest franchise of all greatest time. Franchise Although, of all time. Uh, uh, this one maybe not so. It was, it was a slog. It was a slog. It was a monster. How long was it? Two hours forty-five. It's quite long. It was a big bastard. It was. It was one of them where I've gone. But surely this is the end of the film. Click. No, there's an hour left. Was it like the cruise cut? (laughs) (laughs) It could have been. Does anyone? Does anyone think that by this point? The fact there's been six impossible missions is a bit <laughs> ironic. <laughs> I, or is that in fact is that seven? I is think this seven? is seven, but it's a seven two. It's a two-parter. Impossible. Missions. This is a two. The first of a two-parter. Yeah, this, this mm. it's like the trend, isn't it? These days, like 
the Fast and Furious franchise, Fast 10, is the first part of a finale, of like a two or three part finale. Well, speaking of which. Yeah, nice segue. Thank you I very like much. Nice. James, put us out of our bloody misery. <laughs> yeah. What so, are we casting today? Okay, well, this week we're doing something a bit different. We are doing a full review of Zack Snyder's epic. Uh, Rebel Moon Part 1 Child of Blood Uh, obviously released very recently is that what it's called? it's not called that it is Child of Blood no it's Child of Fire it's a Child of Fire cut no (laughs) I don't think it matters just just like this film we're keeping all the shit in is it not Child (laughs) I thought it's not Child of Blood no I'm pretty sure I thought it's Child of Fire it's Child of it's Child of something yeah let me see here. It's 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 something. It's Child of Fire. It's is Child it? of Fire. Oh, and right. then the next one is called The Scar Giver. So I knew that one. It's a Child of Fire. I thought it was Child of Blood. Well, well. I think you're getting confused with Blood Axe. It's a Child of Fire. Child yeah. of Fire. There's a character. Characters called something Blood Axe. It's Child of Fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are doing a full review of this film. So we. But we are going to be doing it with a castor-roll spin. So as we progress through the, the review of the film and we are meeting the characters, we are going to be recasting them as we go. So we're not going to be doing a massive in-depth chat about each recasting, but we are going to be having a little chat about them as we go. And, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to, um, we're going to recast them as, we, as they come up in the review. So we'll be going through the film step by step. So obviously at this point we should say heavy spoilers um, because this is a film that's out now. A lot of people won't have watched it. <coughs> yeah, but also, you know, don't worry too much. If you haven't seen it and you, you come into this fresh, consider this maybe, you know, something that you can use to steer your decision <laughs> on whether you do sacrifice that time to watch the film. Yeah, I mean, I mean or, or don't. <laughs> don't, do not take Nick's word for this. You know, considering the messages he's been sending in the WhatsApp group this week, I'm not sure he took this film seriously. I did. <laughs> I think the director or any of the I am 90% certain Nick just pressed play and just listened to the audio and was just sat on his phone for two hours and 15 minutes. That, sir, is unfair. <laughs> I don't take issue with that. So we'll be recasting the roles as they come up. There'll be some roles that we're not recasting in this one because we feel like there'll be there'll be bigger parts in the next film because this is like a two-parter. So as we said, there's this one which is Child of Fire, and there's next one which is The Scar Giver, which is out in um, April. Which is out in April, and and both of these have already been slated to have re-edits and recuts. This right. is, I mean, we should probably say at this point this is a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? What does that well, what does that mean? Is it like we can expect this Snyder cut? So basically, I mean, I think that I think he's. I think this is only a real recent thing that he's done with the so-called Snyder cut. I don't think he's done it on a lot of his other films. It's just the Justice League that's like the I big mean, one. A lot right. of a lot. Of, yeah. So basically, a lot of films have a director's cut because um, famously, actually, um, Alien Three, Alien Three, the director's cut is much much better. Um, it's completely different. Um, the alien doesn't come out of um, a dog. It comes out of a cow, which explains its size. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's vastly different scenes. And basically what happens is when you're you know, making a film, studios and producers have a lot of say in runtime and what they want to keep in. 
and the director sometimes has to cut bits and leave it on the you know the the edit room floor as it were um and so you get a theatrical release um and then you get a director's cut obviously this happens with you know lord of the rings you've got the longer versions oh, can't um, get it much longer can it? <laughs> i don't think they're long enough the Sam cut would just be everything. Every <laughs> it, single it, would not, it wouldn't be a three-part film, the Sam cut. It would I, just be one 12-hour... I'd film the 12 session. hours it took for them to put the Hobbit feet on, man. Just everything in there. Stop it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so so a director's cut, just it's kind of the better thing. Now, this became sort of, I guess, sort of cool and a bit in with the Justice League because right. Zack Snyder directed the Justice League. That came out. It was sort of panned as being a bit pants and rubbish and then these rumors started that Zack Snyder's version of the film was actually quite good and the studios changed it and too many cooks and all that so Zack Snyder after years of people sort of begging and wanting this and the internet sort of movement and asking for it he released a Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League which was like four hours long it was a big beast it was in like black and white or something it was very very long and it was pretty good it was definitely better. It explored characters more. It was more interesting. It made more sense. It made villains more villainous. It it had, like, less weird CGI shit. It was better. Right. But now what they've done is they've, they've said, before this version's out, don't worry, <laughs> there'll be a Zack Snyder cut. Of Rebel Moon. Of Rebel Moon. That's very preemptive, isn't Which it? Which is it's very odd. It is odd. Like, try to make a good film in the first, yeah. <laughs> first go. Yeah. Um, it is very odd and uh, so I think at this point as Jim said we're going to be going through it we'll talk about it we'll we'll talk about you know various things that we liked or didn't like about the scenes as we're going talk about the recastings then at the end we'll kind of sum up what we thought about the film and then um, some of us have maybe suggestions about (laughs) how it could be improved and potentially how the Zack Snyder cut may change it Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we are going to be reviewing Rebel Moon, as we said, which is a uh, 2023 sci-fi epic, I guess you can call it. Um, <coughs> Definitely would. Directed by Zack Snyder, <laughs> written by Zack Snyder, filmed by Zack Snyder, cast by Zack Snyder. No, a sensitive I, issue. He's, he's 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 sort of done a bit of everything. Um, it's a little bit of. Uh, factoid for you it was actually a rejected star wars script um it was it was pitched as a star wars film was it really it was and they, how long ago recently uh, like, like a, a couple of years ago yeah yeah still quite modern would have been better um well uh, would have been better than that last trilogy yeah. is better than that last trilogy is it better than rogue one it's not better it's not better than rogue one no it's not better rogue one's phenomenal um and yeah it's it's the first of sort of a sort of a highly sort of publicised two-parter, as we've said, Child of Fire and The Scar Giver. Um, it had a budget of $166 million across both God. films. Okay. Now, actually... Mm, both of them? Okay. That's, that's yeah. all right. That's all right. Is it all right, though, when you factor in the amount of slow motion in this film? Because I think that if you sped up to normal speed all of the slow motion used in this film, I think you'd be looking at about a 45-minute film. Well, it, I mean, it's, <laughs> it says here the runtime is 134 minutes. Okay. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's longer than that. <laughs> it felt longer. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think maybe these people aren't taking into account the slow motion. Um, 
it, you know, it very briefly, it, I mean, it's basically, for anyone that's seen this film, it's Seven Samurai, it's Magnificent Seven, it's very niche reference, Battle Beyond the Stars. It's basically... It's the Fellowship of the Ring in space. It's not the Fellowship <laughs> of the <laughs> Ring. It's, it's Jesus is. Christ. It's it is absolutely not, the Fellowship of the Ring in space. It's 100% not the Fellowship of absolutely the Ring. Absolutely is. It's not. It is Cora travelling through space to get her Fellowship. No, that's, absolutely no, that's not it. The Fellowship oh of the Ring <laughs> in space. Right. I've just given you three references that it exactly is those films... It is not the Fellowship of the Ring. Is this where you expected Sam to swing for you? <laughs> you today? Or is that still to Because it absolutely is the Fellowship it, of the Ring in right, space. Okay. Just before we get into this, let me explain to you the reasons it is not the Fellowship of the Ring. They are not trying to destroy anything. They are not going on a journey anywhere. They're trying to protect a farm. They are bringing people to them. Sounds like they're going on a journey. No, they're not, though. She's travelling around to get people to get back to come defend the farm. Sounds like a journey to me. Which is Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven. Yeah, a bit of Fellowship of the Ring. No, well, not in any way is this Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. Are you, are you morbidly offended because he's compared it to one of your Absolutely. If he ever says that again, <laughs> it is done. It is done. No, right. it's not okay. my fault that Zack Snyder has just made a better Fellowship of the Ring than Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> do you, just to check, do you think this is a better film than... The Fellowship of the Ring. No, I don't. Okay. Do you but think this is a better film than anything? <laughs> of course I do. This is a great film. Oh, I don't know if I can believe him. Is it worth throwing out then at this point, as you're probably already gathering, that some of us here have wildly different opinions of this film? I think it's probably safe to say that, that Jim likes this film. I would say Nick probably doesn't like this film. And I'm probably sort of more on Nick's side, but actually... A bit middle of the road. There are a lot of good things about I'm it. I'm still not convinced Nick actually watched the film. I'm I'm sure even if he didn't, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> In my defence, I've not had much time. I've been away over the weekend. I've rushed back, and the only thing I've been able to do with any time that I've had is watch this fucking film. <laughs> so I actually should be very grateful. If you don't mind. Right. So without further ado, we are going to start running through it, and we are going to see where we get. So the film opens in space, as most sci-fi films do. And coming through a wormhole is a giant sort of space cruiser. Now, we, a lot we're of literally people, going through this scene by scene. We're not scene by scene, okay. but I think we need to set the location. <laughs> Which one? Space. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what blows my mind is, is throughout this film, obviously in a lot of sci-fi films, let's talk about like <clears throat> the, the broadest setting possible, right? It's set in a galaxy far, far away, or it's in a nebula. This one, the universe. Yeah. They say it's the universe. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. This takes place in the universe. Yeah. All right. So the, the biggest conceivable I mean, space. they... they. Well, we're taking, it's taking place in a universe. <laughs> well, okay. no, I think you're getting confused with a galaxy, the universe. Um, I think it's taking place in... I don't think it's our universe. I think when they talk about the mother world, I don't think it's meant to be in Earth. No, I mean, no. there's no reference no. to this being in the future of this reality. And I mean, we should say this now, obviously, this is heavily influenced by Star Wars. I, I can't believe no one, I've not seen anyone talk about this, maybe it's too niche, it's heavily influenced by, like, Warhammer. I mean... I mean, I'm not a big Warhammer fan, and the, one of the first things I think I said to you was, the space Nazis are clearly influenced on some kind of Warhammer. I mean, they're the Imperium. They're the Imperium, I mean, the, the Empire. Empire. Not even a Warhammer yeah. fan, and I spotted that ref. That, like, I mean, it's got names off. in it from Warhammer. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
Do you know other massive influence for the what are they called? The Ballets? The Empire? They are the they're the, the Imperium. The Imperium, yeah. The Imperium, right? Yeah, it's a direct pull, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I thought there's also very heavily influenced by. Do you guys remember the Chronicles of Riddick? Yeah, yes. yeah. Those yeah, yeah, bad yeah. guys. Like, there's there's so many direct yeah. pulls from other films where I feel like it's just like I'll tell them a bit of that. That looked cool. I'll have a bit of that. I'll have a bit of that. Which in itself together. isn't like the worst thing to do with making a film. Sure. But I, I feel like the problem is this doesn't have the heart. Which is why it feels like empty references. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So yeah. So we're in space and we learn that this Imperium has been going for thousands of years with, you know, these kings and queens, these rulers, an unbroken lineage for thousands of years. And then what happens is the queen and the king and their daughter get assassinated. Yes. And there's kind of upheaval and through all this strife a young kind of chancellor or a young kind of politician rises up and takes control and he's called Belisarius. Right. And he's kind of the big bad of this. And he sends out his admiral, his favourite admiral, Atticus Noble. Um, <laughs> of course he is. Which isn't a terrible name, but I just... So it's a very on-the-nose kind of name, isn't it? Atticus Noble. Yeah, it's just... Mm. Anyway. He could have... It's just, just a call trope, him, isn't it? It's just a bit of a trope. Just call him Atticus. We don't need it, Atticus Noble, do we? He's a regent, right? Or, ad, or just he's an admiral. He's an admiral. He's an admiral. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who's the regent? I Someone's think that's regent. Belisarius. Right. He and he's like now ruling as regent. Right. Um. But yeah, he sends out because when when the king and queen are killed, a lot of the sort of outlying planets that are under the sort of the heel of this imperium, um, start rebelling and sort of there's some uprisings. So this admiral is sent out to sort of quash all these. Rebellions. Oh, got it. And one of them is on a moon. And one of them is on a moon. So this is where we go to. So the plot of the film picks up, um, and we meet our main character, Cora. And this is obviously the main person throughout the film. Um, Cora <clears throat> is played by Sophia Butella. Yep, Butella. Now the only thing I've seen her in is actually Kingsman. Yeah, and she plays a, a paraplegic. She plays someone that's like been amputated and with like sword legs. With like yeah. sword legs. Yeah, which I actually thought when I was watching it that it was a real person that had been amputated. Oh, really? Yeah. So they did that really well. Yeah, like, that, that's that's how good the, like the makeup was on that film, wasn't it? You, well, you, I'm pretty sure it's CGI. I don't well, think they CGI make up fake legs. I mean, might have done. <laughs> but um, <laughs> she's she's you know she's actually she's okay in this. She's fine. And I think, obviously, Jim... I, I think she's kick-ass. You've recast her. I have, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, all jokes aside, I think it probably is quite a difficult um, recasting because it's it's quite like a... It's quite like a tough role. Um, I think, probably to its credit, it doesn't actually matter whether it was a male or a female, but it's quite interesting it's a female and... It, you know, I think it's nice that this kind of role is... With it, has gone to a female rather yeah. than... You're, um, that rather than a male, because I think it would feel a lot more stereotypical if it was a male lead as opposed yeah. to the female. But what I what I mean is, I don't think it's one of those ones where it's like there, you know, it's there's a, a point to it being a female that her like you know opinion of this is different because of X Y. No, it just happens to be that this character. And is any, a anything about this character, you fun. could just swip, swatch, uh, yeah. swap it around gender wise, even with all the little details that they put in later on. It, it it's still the same character. So what we're saying is, this character means so little 
That's not what we're saying. That's actually not what we're saying at all. You could put in a trifle and you know, wouldn't what I'm That's not is, what we're saying, Nick, at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think it's quite refreshing that they've, they've got like a female lead and none of the characters like dismiss her because she's a woman. Or like, it's quite interesting that it's just... I would argue against that. Really? Yeah, and the reason being is that obviously, so um, I'm sure you get, you'll get onto this, but so Cora's background is that she is a um, prior kind of, was a big general in yeah. the, M- the Imperium. Sort of in the well, Imperium. she was taken as a child. Yeah. yeah. So she was taken as a child, was given to, was raised by... Belisarius, because he killed all his all her family on her planet. And then yeah, she was, she joined the army. That became her life, and she was then told to take up a lover because apparently that's what they do. We're in skipping the army. ahead quite a bit. We're yeah. skipping ahead, right? But, what I was trying that, to say that's, is, that's, that is she that's has her, she's from the Imperium. She's fled. Yeah, yeah. she's created a she's new a life on this idyllic uh, farm community on this moon. Yeah. And I mean, you laugh, but that opening <laughs> shot is stunning. Yeah, it looks yeah, fine. Nice. My first in my notes. My first note was, is this a video game? Because I think stylistically, it's got really cool shots like that yeah. that you'd really enjoy in a video game. And then my next one was, who are these horny Mormon farmers? That was my next one, because they're all, <laughs> they're all really they're horny. horny. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, <laughs> at least the father of the village. What's his fucking Sindri. name? His name is Sindri. Sindri. He's super horny because during the harvest celebration, he's like, Let, and let's, let's all fuck tonight. So make sure yeah, the loud enough that we can hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <okay. laughs> and he carries his wife off, from, yeah. presumably, to go and fuck. Um, but then what... Is that not what you do? Is that what you do during your harvest celebration then? Yes, so, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just such a weird clash of like things. You've got this sci-fi setting, then you've got this really rural community farm. Which works. I mean, next to Jupiter. That's a given trope. Yeah, um, sure. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not next to Jupiter, I just might add. It's just a random planet. Yeah, fucking wherever, yeah. So I ran it with a ring. So look, my point was, with her being a female character, and where I think that it's, it's a little bit unnecessary is that the other people on the farm are trying to persuade her, certainly the old guy that, that found her when she crash-landed or whatever and, and sort of looked after her, persuade her to get with one of the beardy farmers. Yes. And I just kept asking myself, like, she's an ultra-badass, right? We all know, we find out during the yeah. film. She's unbelievably badass. And she's kind of putting up with being like, oh, you should you'd probably be settling down soon, Cora, with that beardy farmer guy. I just yes. found it all very like... Yeah, but I think that's because I don't know how many of the village actually know of her background. No, no. They no. did. That, so she is... So she's trying... So that's why she's settling and because she's, she's just blending in. I think also, I think there's like... Uh, we might be giving... I might be giving the film way too much credit, but I think there's a sense that she is willing to put up with a lot for a quiet life. Like, it might not be what she really wants, but actually the trade-off of not being under the heel of the Imperium is worth it. She just wants to row her... Her crop, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which that was actually one thing that annoys me. I don't know if anyone would pick it up. It's really early on. (laughs) She's, you know, ploughing this field with a giant, you know, plough and a horse, and she comes across this stone. She digs it out and then she throws it where (laughs) she's going to be ploughing next. She just puts it next to her, and she's going to be going back along that line, and she's going to hit the stone again. So she's clearly not a fucking. Well, she's not going to be going directly back along that line, is she? It's going to be spaced out. I reckon that stone started right in the very first row. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, if she just put it to the right instead of the left, she would have left it behind. She's just been moving it one row down every time. Right, so Cora is our main character. Jim, you're recasting Cora. 
What have you got for us? Right. Oh, wow. We're, we're, we're literally just opening up with, she's plowing a field. Jim, who are you recasting? Yeah. Who are you having plow a field? Did yeah. you know that Sophia Patella is uh, 41 years old? No, she's not. Yeah, wow. That's, that's, she looks good for No, me. she's not. Incredible, yeah. Wow. Goodness. Okay, well, I'm, I'll just go straight into it. Otherwise, this is going to be like three hours long. <laughs> uh, so I had uh, two names, but I'm only picking one. Uh, so I, I, I thought of Zendaya. But then I was yeah. like, she's just been in Doom. Might be a bit similar. So I've gone with someone who I think is equally as kick-ass. Probably going to age the character a bit more, which is Gal Gadot. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I can see both those working. I think Zendaya, I think don't think quite has the physicality. That's why I didn't it. go with her in the end. So I think she would, she would probably have to put in a lot of training, I think, for the role. Just to kind of, she would probably have to... <coughs> learn some kind of martial arts I mean I don't know if Radon she might be a fucking black belt in, in god knows what I think they could probably fake it given this yeah. film <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that <laughs> I mean the core is a quite a physical character she, she does, is she does I'm, a lot she has a lot she has a lot of close quarters combat if I'm honest I thought you were going to go for someone more of like the Katie Sackoff kind of route I like Gail, I don't think Gail Godot would touch this with a 10 foot barge pole well, I, I do think, that I think she, would, she touched fucking Wonder Woman well, what a sentence! What a Wonder Woman episode, she chose, she quite she went as Wonder Woman. Those are shit. I, I think the first Wonder Woman is a vastly superior film to this. Still shit. Mm. And that gives you. It's, a, you it's part of the DC universe. They haven't done fucking anything good. Is it worth yeah. just saying now? Not that anyone worth recasting is going to listen to this podcast, but I do feel like it's worth apologising now if we happen to recast you into this film during, no, during don't. this episode. This We're is a really great sorry. film. We're really sorry. Ignore Nick. I great think, film. You'll be, you'll be honoured to be part of it. I think, the, yeah, that, to be fair, I've got people that I'm recasting that I really love. So Why I would mean, you do this? Though? I don't know why, because I'm trying to make this film better. <laughs> Gail Godot is a good shout. She would make this film interesting. She would have some star-pulling power. I think... Um, yeah, I think she she would she would be good. She you know we know she's got the physicality from the Wonder Woman films. She's very striking. I wonder if um, yeah, I wonder if she'd sort of be a bit a bit sort of too striking. You got a curveball, Nick? Uh, yeah, I just thought. I mean, again, oh, there's not much to go on with the character really. Like she's you know she's obviously the main character. She she has moments through this film where you learn about her backstory. That's the yeah. main exposition where we'll there's like flashbacks. We'll get, we'll get to that. Um, I mean, uh, she does a lot of kind of staring. For me, there's not much warmth in uh, any moments in the character in the film where I'm like, oh, she's quite a likable character. Maybe like I know she's meant to have had this, you know, really hard journey and stuff to get where she is. There's not much to go on, but I thought maybe uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead mm-hmm. could be a good shout. <laughs> she is in was in uh, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, she was in <coughs> uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's really good in that. Yeah, she's really good in that. <clears throat> uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Don't know who she was in that, didn't see it. Uh, she was in The Thing remake. She's actually really good in that. Death Proof. Any of those ringing any bells to you? I, I mean, she's, I, don't think yeah, I've seen, I don't think I've seen many of she's them. She's good. I think she's, she's probably... Um, um, she's probably a better cast, casting because she's slightly less... I don't know. I feel like Gal Gadot is a bit too glamorous for the role. A bit too much star power? Yeah, yeah, a bit too much. Well, I've picked her, so... Well, there we are then. That's <laughs> it. It's done. Right. <laughs> I mean, move it, we can move swiftly on because the very next thing you see as she is ploughing this field is the man that wants to plough her. What a dickhead this bloke is, mine. He is 
He's such a dick. He is not a great character. We're we talking about Gunnar. We're talking Gunnar. about Gunnar. Oh, I mean, not only does he get the village father killed, he then shows zero remorse. Yeah, he's easily he's... the worst character in the film. So I will, I will absolutely give you this on a plate to hammer this character. So this is a character played by Michael Mikael Huspen, who we might know from uh, Game of Thrones. One of many other things that he's been in. Uh, yeah, I don't know if his, if his heart was in this. <laughs> yeah. He was good in Game of Thrones. He, he was great. He, he actually, um, Dahario he played, he played one of the two. Dah- yeah. It got Which, recast in it. The yeah. main bad guy in this is the guy that played the first Dahario and Harris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's basically like somebody from the village that clearly loves the pants of Korra. Um, he sort of. I think he's sort of supposed to, in this, be the sort of the everyman that can ask the questions that we're supposed to be rooting for. He's the one that's supposed to have the biggest arc because he goes from sort of like coward that, as we've said, gets the village elder killed to ultimate redemption. But unfortunately, and I'm not sure if this is the actor or the writing, I think it's the writing, he is very bland. He is, he is somebody that could be much better used in a different way in this film, which I'll get into at the end of this. But he's not great. He's not. You don't want him to do well. You just kind of. He's just there in all the scenes that he's in, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Even when he saves the child later on, you're like. He does a lot of like daft. There's because all this film is is the group getting the next person, going to the next place to get the next person, and then when they get to that destination, there's a scene where the person they're getting does something right, and all the rest of the group have to stand and watch it. So there's a lot of like let's say that when this, the sword the lava sword lady That's is, not gonna make sense to anyone at the moment. But <laughs> right. like, there's a scene where there's a sword fight. If you've watched the film, you know. She what has a name, about. her name's Nemesis. Right, she's fighting the spider lady, right? And we are really skipping ahead here, Nick. Oh he gives a fuck. There's a lot of those <laughs> scenes where things like that are happening and we have to cut back to everyone else just watching. Yeah. Right. And obviously they they're not they're watching green screen like nothing's going on. So they're there meant to be reacting to the various fights and adventures that are going on. <laughs> and whenever it cuts to Gunnar, he's kind of just got this daft face of like, he's meant to be like, probably witnessing stuff that he's never witnessed in his whole life, right? He's never meant to have been <laughs> off planet. He's never been on a spaceship. Yeah. He definitely has just one facial expression this entire film. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, I just think maybe I agree the way the character's written. Uh, there's not a lot, I think, for them to work with. Um, I think by the end of it, I just felt like he just didn't want to be there anymore. I was like, please let this movie be over with. Like, yeah, not a lot. And so I was who's, trying to who's think Who's recast? Have you got him? Yeah, I've got him. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was trying to think of someone who could... I think what's missing, I agree that they're meant to be that everyman. They're meant to ground the experience for the viewer so that everything, all the incredible stuff you're seeing happening around them, you've got an, an every person to react in the way that you would if you were in the middle of all of that. Like, fuck, there's a spider lady. Fuck, there's a big bird thing. Oh, there's General Atticus or whatever. He's the one that's like experiencing all of this and being shocked by it. Um, but I also think, yeah. But he's not being shot by it. He's like water <laughs> off a duck's back. He's like, <laughs> this really is your care. first time in space. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. fine. Fine with that, are you? Yeah, fine. He's not too bothered. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, like you said, he's got this really odd, really strangely delivered scene where he betrays. What's the... Sindri. <laughs> right, Sindri. He betrays Sindri by trying to say, 
So the bad guys land. Am I skipping ahead? Am I You're skipping ahead. Like just recast him. Oh, God. Well, we can't, can't talk about why. Don't talk about why. We'll talk about why when we get to that bit. All right, fuck it. Tom Holland. Oh, that's quite a good shout. That actually. isn't a bad shout. That's a good shout. I'm kind of yeah. glad I didn't go with Zendaya then for, for Cora because that would <laughs> be too much. Well, it would it, now then just become Spider-Man space. <laughs> that would have been I'd would too. Um, I think yeah. Tom I mean, Holland. Yeah, I think he can inject some warmth, some more charisma. I think he'd bounce off of things a bit funnier. And I think you'd be inclined during the filming to have more moments where like it, this film needs more humour. Is that fair to say? There's no more, funny bits in this film. It needs more human. Like, yeah, it needs I don't think it needs more, more like... humour, because that's not the film it's going for. But it could do with a couple of moments, maybe? It needs a couple of light-hearted moments where, like, I don't know, he could react to one of the funny aliens or, or stuff. Like, I'll come on to what, I, what, what is my favourite character. I mean, yeah, you could have probably had Gunner have a bit more of a reaction in, the, in that bar when they walk in and you've got all the aliens. And, and then Can we talk about that yet? No, let's oh, talk about it when we yeah. get to it, guys, all, all right? right? Like, this is what's going to be fun. You've recast them, and now you can say what those people would be like when we get to those situations. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay. Right. So, so far, we have met Cora, <laughs> who we know nothing about yet, um, who is going to be played by Gal Gadot. <laughs> and the person that is... Here it says secretly in love with her, but it, it's secret it's for nobody. nothing secret about that, is there? <laughs> who is Gunnar, played by Tom Holland. <laughs> And they basically are living this idyllic life and they have just got in the harvest and they are going to celebrate in this long house. And like, like Nick said, this is kind of like a Viking feudal kind of very low technology kind of culture. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you, you, you know straight away Cora's out of place there. She's got something different about her. Horny Mormon Vikings. Horny Mormon Vikings, which is a mouthful. <laughs> So we get to this party, which is celebrating, you know, the, the harvest being, you know, finished or they finished planting, I think. And um, they've just like, you know, some of the hunters have killed like a giant elk ox thing and they've got fresh meat and it's all it's all fun and games. And we meet the village elder who is called Sindri. Not that much of an elder, really. Well, no, he's he's called like the village father, but he's, you know, he's probably what in his like late 40s, 50s. Yeah. He's obviously, you know, he looks like a Viking. He's huge, he's imposing, he's strong. You know, he's he's the shit. He has a cool tied beard. Yeah, he's got beard like and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously the name Sindri is from Norse, myth- Norse mythology as well. So yeah. it kind of helps. There's the a lot look of... and the name, it goes, you know, all yeah. ties in to, to him. So. I think Gunnar is also like a, a Norse kind of name. Wouldn't surprise me. Everyone's vaguely Scandinavian in this video. Yeah, yeah. Accent-wise. Um, One of the many accent choices in this film. And Sindri's played by um, Corey Stoll, who the, the main thing I sort of know him from is actually um, Ant-Man. He played he Yellow Jacket, the main he plays bad the bad guy. guy. Yes. But he is in loads of stuff. Um, and he actually... He's he's I think he's in this film because he's probably one of the bigger names, and ultimately what happens to him, it's kind of meant to be like oh my god the big name died. Oh really? I reckon that's what they were going for. Um, so anyway, as we were saying, this this village father, um, Sindri, he's played by Corey Stoll, and I'm recasting him, and I'm going with please forgive me, Vigo Mortensen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the reason I'm going for that is Viggo Mortensen, I think, just gives this presence of, like, in charge, cool, calm, 
grizzled, like he's seen it all, he's done it all, nothing's going to flap him, mm. which is very much what the character, you know, portrays in this. Yeah, I think so. I think what was, what was interesting with this one is, am I allowed to talk about a couple of scenes forward when the yeah, baddies are on? Yeah, a little bit. So you know when they start, there's a, there's, there's a threat introduced. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to play it cool, like you said. That's actually quite a well-delivered scene because is, you know, he's is. obviously like trying to hold back the tension, trying to play it cool. <clears throat> it all goes to shit as we discover. But well, I mean, he's acting as a as a village elder, as they would. He's trying to protect the village mm. by not exposing what he knows is gonna yeah cause think, the, the the bad guys to just plunder their village. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting. I think um, I'd like to say off the bat, I think the first. 20 minutes of this film are good I think they're really good I think it sets it up beautifully I think you've got the the life that she's now living um, it sets up really well sets up some interesting characters they have a very long drawn out scene which is what, what Nick's alluding to where the bad guys come down and this Atticus Noble is talking to Sindri about grain stocks but they're not. They're talking about everything around that. And it's sort of this mental game of chess that they're playing with each other. It's drawn out. It's really nice. It almost feels almost Quentin Tarantino-esque. That they're like... That the, the, the tension is building. You know it's going to come to head. You know what it's building to. And you can't stop it. And it's quite, it's quite tense. Are you comparing the that scene to the scene in Inglorious Bastards with the fast bender yeah sat at the table yeah i think so yeah there's got a lot of same How beats to it but i mean i think i think imagine if the film that we watched was good. continued in that vein okay it would have been that first 20 minutes is good it falls down when they go off on their quest they leave more interesting characters back at the village which we'll get on to they take less interesting characters forward you fast forward through them collecting these people, learn nothing about them, and then when stuff happens to them at the end, they're like, who gives, okay, a, who who gives, gives a, a shit? Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, the film should have just been slower. But anyway, so we've met Cora, we've met the love interest Gunner, we've met the village father, Sindri, and then what happens the next day when they're all, you know, doing more farming, a dreadnought spaceship, a giant battle cruiser appears in low orbit, Cora looks up and she, of course, knows exactly what this is. Oh, man. Her, just the oh, change man. in tone in her face goes from... She drops her seeds. dread. Oh, she drops her seeds stuff. everywhere. Yep. That's some good seed dropping. Right oh, man. Slow good motion. Like, Slow I motion dropped as well. some seed on her. That's what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, um, I know you're trying to take the piss there, but I, I liked the way the character just instantly changed and just panicked. Yeah. she knew what was coming. I mean, the, she I run, you know, she's she, running off. She she's does. she's warning the village. You know, she knows what's coming. She's done some acting there for sure. The, I think the reason we're taking the piss is because nothing in this film is like subtle. Like I say, there's there's a twist coming up that you will see a, a year away. It's crazy. It's just this film for me is one of the biggest examples that I've seen in a long time of. Style over substance. Yeah, hundred percent. That fair to say? Yeah. Everything is stylized. Every moment, every character, every scene, every setting, everything is every like shot. what would look cool as opposed to what would be interesting or what would be a good motivation for this character. What would be a good delivery for this? It's all about what's the coolest thing. What's like what's some cool things that I've seen recently in video games? No, oh, I use that. I use this. 
these are cool settings for sci-fi stuff. Yes, use, use all of them. Yes. This is massively style over substance. And it does look cool. It looks like, cool. It looks great. But it's like, like again, <laughs> when I was making notes as I was watching it, um, I feel like this was every sci-fi fantasy setting everywhere all at once. To use which is a good film, much better film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's like all happening at once, and so it's very difficult to to kind of enjoy any one piece because it's it's in and gone. It's like here's your Viking set. Oh, that's gone because we're off. We're doing the next thing now. Oh, like, here's the bad guys. Oh, no. now we're going down to some mining village. Oh, now we're going to like cyborg lady. There's so much going on. Well, what would you rather it be all one setting? Well, I mean. I mean, yeah, they, they, they stated that all these things are on, they're on different planets. So what do you want? All these planets look the fucking same? I think, <laughs> do, you, do you want to know my honest opinion? In the first scene, you meet, you'll meet some of the other characters that we're going to recast. These are the films. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you've given this film a fair chance. You meet <laughs> Cora, you meet Gunner, you meet Sindri, you meet uh, the robot, uh, a Jimmy. I think it's called a Jimmy. Yeah, it's called a Jimmy. Yeah, a Jimmy. It's called Jimmy. You meet like... One of the soldiers that rebels against them. Yeah. You meet the hunter that kind of likes Korra. You've got six guys right there. And you've also met Atticus. And you met, yeah, but what I'm saying is, you've met six people that care about the village, that have reason to fight, have reason to hate the Imperium. If they'd just gone off and found one more person. You've got enough already. You've got enough. Jimmy doesn't care about the village. The but he soldier, cares about Sam, the, the, which we'll the, get into. the soldier that rebels doesn't care about the village. He just doesn't want, he cares about the robot. He cares about Sam, who's one of the most interesting characters in it, and she's forgotten about. But that's what I'm talking about, these human moments. Like, you don't have to care about a village. You don't have to care about an ideal. She even says in it that... It, uh, sorry, Cora says in it that in the academy, you're told to fall in love with somebody because when these big ideals fall away, fighting for a loved one is what keep, gets you through it. You set up that some of these characters are just fighting for one person, one girl that has been wronged by the Imperium. That's a strong threat. That's enough. If you had it's all enough. of those people yeah. preparing the village, fortifying it, training, learning to get on with each other, maybe doing one journey to find one extra character and get and finding a, a spurious one on the way, that would have been great. But you leave interesting, started to develop characters back at the village, and then you go on this fucking joyride through useless sort of stereotypes. Those characters you've left behind have no purpose on the journey. But none of the, neither of the ones you this, meet this soldier, do This soldier would not have agreed to go anyway because he would have wanted to stay back to look after the girl that he's clearly clocked eyes on and gone, I'll have some of that. Fine. <laughs> so the journey to go and get then Titus, So he's not, he's not going to disappear off planet in, and leave her behind, is he? He's yeah. going to want to be there and protect her just in case they come back. And I say that, I agree. So maybe half <laughs> hour of this film could be going to get the general bringing him back, and then carrying on the story at the village. But then that's not going to be enough to protect him from this, from a siege. So, but how we is... We meet what's going to happen. We, we, how is a girl with swords any different? <laughs> I mean, admittedly, they leave... <laughs> Lava swords. They, they leave the, dis, the, the difference maker off. That ain't coming to the next film. And also, you're and, talking and we've about... Got, and we've got her motivation for can, when she turns up. Can, can but, I just say that, that Jimmy's talking about this. Jim... He was talking about this. <laughs> like, but I would have had the robot, but he ran off. They wrote that the robot ran off. I wouldn't have had the robot. <laughs> I, wouldn't like, have had the, I would like, not have had the robot. He's like, oh my God, yeah, the robot is interesting, but he left. 
I would not have, have to. I would not have had the robot in the team. That's the point. Why? Because you don't need the robot. He's the most. He's the singular most interesting character. Do you know what's weird though? Is that for, oh again we're skipping ahead. I think. Yeah. yeah, but he also, he has a. Yeah, but he's also essentially programmed. He's not going to just follow Cora's orders. Do you think though? They, no, they jammed in. They jammed with this robot. Who would not have disappeared off village? Just once. Sam would stay behind. This robot, voiced by Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins. Um, who, who narrates the beginning as well, right? Yeah, so he, he like narrates the whole thing. Um, they cram in so much exposition yeah. into him. Like he's, he gets an interesting scene where like he appears and the, the army guy, the baddies that have landed on the farm are like, oh, I didn't know we had any more of those left. He's told to carry boxes. He gets like bullied basically and runs off to clean himself in the river. Then he meets Sam. They have a really cool chat. And then he, and he's out of nowhere, he delivers like this amazing, I say amazing, it's fine, mm-hmm. um, monologue about like what the robot people used to fight for, et cetera, et cetera. And it was so like jammed <coughs> in. It was almost yeah. like what you'd imagine to be the scene halfway through. Mm-hmm. But because like we were talking about that this rushes through settings, characters so quickly, so kind of need- meaninglessly, um, that they set it all up, they jammed in some exhibition, and then he, like, he's in one more time, then he's gone. Hmm. So you see nothing else from anyway. So, uh, anyway, so, so we're, again, we're digressing. We're, we apologise here. This is difficult to lead, follow the thread. So, Korra, Gunnar, Sindri, they are on the planet. A dreadnought battleship turns up, and, and a drop, drop pod comes down, and we meet the, the Admiral Atticus Noble. Who's who, the big baddie? Who is the big baddie? Who I've actually got that guy as well to Ooh. recast. So it's played by Ed Skin, uh, who um, most people know from Deadpool. He plays Ajax. Uh, he's sort of very. He's very good in Deadpool. Um, he's in some other things as well where he's very good. Always sorts of play. Seems to play a bad guy. Mm. Um, very much sort of from somewhere in London. <laughs> Not his real voice is like. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I just loved having a chess play. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's very cheeky chappy. He yeah. plays it with obviously a posh accent. No. Um, he's good. He's not one of the worst things about this. He's solid. I think you know what you're getting from him. I think he 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 plays a bit vanilla. Like, all right, he like smashes someone's head in, but... A couple of times. A couple of times. But it, yeah. it's not like he's like particularly sadistic or unhinged or it just seems a bit... Do you know what I would have felt? Just, would have he been... just seems to be playing just box standard admiral, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's just leading the men. The big reveal where I think you're like, okay, he's super, like he's the super baddie. Um, you know it when he lands on the on the farm, right? And yeah. He's talking about. I mean, we haven't even discussed the fact yet that this massive army, right, which is going out there, d- like raising planets to mm-hmm. dust, right? It is taking over planets. It is slaughtering millions and billions of people. <laughs> <laughs> is popping over to a farm on a moon because it wants some grain. Yeah. That's not it. why it's popping over to this farm on a moon. They're there to get supplies because they've been told that the rebels are in the region. They're there for the rebels. The grain is inconsequential. Well, the grain they, is a bonus. They do want the grain. Yeah, they, they want the grain they for supplies, want. but they are there for the rebels. That they have heard are in the they are there because they have been told the blood axes are in that region. Okay, but that's but, why they're there on that planet, not for the green. The green is just a bonus. <laughs> Although what I do find interesting, so on this planet, so this is <laughs> this is planet of uh, is it Velt? 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 Pronounced Velt? Yeah. Um, they come to this like little farming village, 
looking for these blood axes. Um, but then later on, we go to like a much bigger city on this planet, and there's no Imperium presence. They don't seem to have been there. There's Ever. the the streets Ever. aren't full of troops. Yeah. They're not. It's just they've just gone to this one tiny farming village to look for these rebels. <laughs> Um, have also, they? Did, well, I thought they just no one mentioned. Oh right, right. They, the they do say they're they looking for the blood axes. Oh, yeah. do they? They do. Yeah, okay. they do. And then they say, and I think, I think they've, green. they've probably got um, wind there because it does say that this village has sold some grain to the. Yeah, because Gunner um, yeah. met with a guy who he then goes to. Obviously, they obviously catch wind of it because, as we'll get to later on, they capture the guy. Yeah. Do you know what's slightly striking to me about all this? Is, Is it that, bushels? <laughs> yeah. Because when they ask for their grain in bushels... Yeah. Is that a grain measurement? Apparently. I thought a bushel was like... It's now. A bushel? What's a bushel? I mean, what... I'm amazed we're... we're oh, Google, a bushel. Is no one else's mind blown by the fact that in, the far, in, a, in a sci-fi setting, people are going about trying to get out of grain? <laughs> well, no like... in, in, in defence of the film... I actually think that's kind of an interesting point. What's a bushel? So a bushel is a measure of capacity equal to eight gallons. <laughs> bushel the, of apples is big. Yeah. Equivalent to 36.4 litres used for corn, fruit, liquids, etc. Well, there we are. So bushels. He, he, bushel they want like... 10,000 bushels, so they want 10,000 gallons of corn. That's a lot of <laughs> fucking corn. Yeah, that's a lot of um, I do actually think that, that that is kind of quite interesting in that, you know, this this giant, you know, mechanised machine that is the Imperium still needs to feed its troops. That's still an issue, supply lines, all that stuff. It's kind of an interesting trope. Like, if it was just like, oh, we can push a replicator and get all we need, then... Then we wouldn't have a plot for this we film, wouldn't have we? a plot so, for this yeah, film, as such that it is. The green. Okay. So, Atticus Noble, played by Ed Skeen, I have gone with... I think this is a better casting. I've gone with um, Owen Rean. Rean? Rowan? Rean? Owen Rain. Um, I was going to choose... I think I actually was going to pick him for one of my car- my castings later on. Right. Well, I've picked I him. I think. If it's the same person I think it is. Oh, I know who that is. He's Ramsey Bolton from yeah. Game of Thrones. No, not him. It was another, okay. another person. Brilliant. That's a yeah. So, okay, I like him. As like we that, yeah. know, he is an ultimate baddie baddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. super Everyone, good. He, yeah. Was, he was a prick on Game of Thrones, wasn't he? <laughs> Everyone wanted to see his demise. Yeah. So there's yes. a scene where where Noble first meets Sindri, and he says like, "Let me give you the hug of the Emperor" or something like that. And it's really cringy, and it's isn't really it? cringy, mm. and it sort of goes on too long. And you're it's like, quite well, creepy as well. Isn't creepy. It? I think if Ramsay Bolton was fucking doing that, even worse, you'd like, be like. He's going to yeah. chop off his dick or something. Like <laughs> He's going to set the dogs on him. Yeah. So I think that's a really good shout. I don't yeah. even want to hear any fucking curveballs on that. Well, like I'm going to throw one at you. All right. Because I came up with one, which I think would be just as good. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Oh. Do you know what? I, I I think it's a bit obvious, but he'd do just as good a job. Mm. I actually and I think he'd be brilliant. him for Sindri, actually, as well. Oh, like, oh, were you? Yeah. Do you know what? I thought that Sindri maybe would, I think, would have had more impact by the... Spoiler, he gets killed in a minute yeah. by Atticus. Um, would have had more emotional impact if he was an older, played by an older actor. Someone who you really feel was kind of the genteel, you know what I mean? Like real, so what, real so old father they, figure. So if they did swap what, because obviously I confuse the characters around. So if they did actually swap the guy that found Cora with 
Syndry, so it's more of an older guy, <coughs> yeah, yeah, guy or like fan, you know, an, an, an Anthony Hopkins in that role, like a Michael Caine. Right, you could have had Michael Caine, someone a bit more fragile. <laughs> I lads, I got your bushels. Who suddenly, when Atticus crocks him over the head with his hitting stick, his hitting stick, it's a stick, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it the kings? Isn't it's it? the king's the king? scepter. Yeah. Right, smashes him. I think that's more of like a oh my god, like he's ruthless. He really has got no moral compass. Yeah. Uh, but, so, yeah, like so yeah, so choice. Noble hits the planet. He has this discussion with Sindri about Grain. It's it's quite a nice scene actually. It's probably the best scene in the film because they're talking about everything apart from Grain. There's sort of this mental game of one up and shit. You can Sindri's clearly sensing something wrong because he's panicking. He's trying to get. His, exactly. I'm assuming it's his wife that he's trying to get to bring the ale. Is that his yeah. wife? Yeah, it's his wife. Because she also gets slaughtered as well, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. And you clearly see he senses her wrong, especially the second Gunner starts opening his, his trap. He's thinking, come on, stop ploughing the bear. Exactly. He's, so Gunner, he's sensing it's going sideways. Gunner then opens... Cora, by the way, has warned them all not to trust them, not yeah. to deal with them. And Gunner then goes ahead and says, oh, we might have some grain for you. And so then Noble is like, Sindri, you've been lying to me. Bish, bash, bosh. Well, instantly Gunner realises his mistake, tries to backtrack. And they go, oh, well, actually, what yeah. Sindri might concede, see is no surplus... I, as the head, whatever, groundsman, whatever he called himself, would deem as a, a bit of surplus. So, you know, Sindri's just being cautious, just in case of famine and yeah. stuff. So it, he's trying it, to backtrack, realising that he's just fucked up. Of all the films we've watched for this podcast so yeah. far, this feels like the one that you've watched the most. Like, I've watched actively. It, well, yeah, I have actively watched it twice. But, like... You're really into this film. For the first time I watched it because I wanted to watch it, because I went into it going, this film's getting a lot of shit. I want to know why people are giving it a load of shit. And then I've watched it and gone, you're all fucking idiots. But you remember all of what happened and stuff. Yes. What's going on? I like this film. So look, so this is really, I think this is a key point. I couldn't believe that you enjoyed this film. But can you honestly not see why people think it's shit? No, not at all. I can. I'm, it's a subjective thing. Yes, people are going to not like certain things, like the lack of story. But I think or no. I think it's just popular to hate on Zach, fucking Zack Snyder. I don't. Think I it think is. it's just I a popular Zack thing Snyder. to do. I think people have gone. This is a new Snyder film. It's getting some shit, so I'm going to give it shit as well. I don't think people are really giving it the right chance. I don't. Think I've read some of. The, I've read some fucking reviews, and it's tosh what they're right saying. I'm going to talk on you are a fucking moron. <laughs> Honestly, these man, these are people that are meant that consider themselves reviewers. Yeah, but I I'm, don't consider myself a reviewer, and I, I'm not a cinephile. I'm an absolute cinephile, and I'm looking at this review, this so-called review, and going, "You're a fucking idiot." Are you? A because cinephile? I don't think you are a cinephile. <laughs> what, cinephile I'm, means someone that watches a hell of a lot of films. I'm the opposite of a cinephile. <laughs> <laughs> and, even I'm, and even I'm looking at this, these reviews going, you're a fucking idiot. Right, but I think I think the problem is... Because I, I, don't, I don't think they're giving it the correct appreciation. They I think are. they're just hating on it no, for the sake of it being Zack they're, Snyder. They're not. They're giving it exactly the I appreciation it needs. I love Zack Snyder. I love Watchmen. I love 300. I think they're very good films. I was just going to say Watchmen is a great film. Watchmen's and a great film. Snyder's style worked for Watchmen. And it's probably because there was a really good source material... He didn't write it. To work from. This is the first one he's written. There you go. And I think it's I think that's the key. I think it's and I think I think, like you said, I think there is there is sometimes in films like um, you know, people complain about films for being too woke or they complain about them for having political things and all that. And they I don't think any of those accusations are really being levelled at this one. 
I think literally the problem is, I think people could see a film where they've done quite good at building an interesting world. They've done quite good at doing nice designs, nice costumes, nice props, good CGI for the most part. Mm. But it has absolutely no heart to it. And I think that's the thing we'll keep coming back to is like, you, they don't take the time. Like none of these people, other than Gunner, who we've already established, we don't care. None of them have story arcs. The point is it's supposed to be an arc, right? But all of them are going to start and finish in the same fucking place. None of it matters. Everything but I think that's is the point. You're, I think that's where you're missing out on is the fact that this is intended to build up for part two. But you can't there, forgive. You can't all, forgive. All, this film is, all this film is designed to do is introduce us to these characters. We're not expecting some of these characters to go on a massive arc. But at the end of the film, do you feel introduced to them? Yes. What? No. what, what yes, right. I do. Okay. What do you know I about? Ne- what do you know about Nemesis? That she's that she well she was a she's a she was a defender of the people of whatever planet she's on. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the fucking names of the planet. Yeah, some, some, you know, so that was her that is her role on that planet. She defends the people. She's a kick-ass fucking fighter. Yeah, she's got. Yeah. You know what I mean, that, that is Nemesis. That's it. That is Nemesis. <laughs> you don't need to know much more right now. Okay, but but Ta- it- Tarak, he is a prince. You learn all this about him. He is a <laughs> all of this. You've learned that. What else? You get you get told what to, about Tarak. And you get told at the end says Prince Tarak. No, you get, not at the end. You learn it when you fucking meet him. Do you? Yes. Okay. He tells you. Right. <laughs> okay. He tells you about that he about he owes this man a debt. That's what he he's got into some debt. He's ran off away from his planet, and he's got himself in some in some shit. Obviously. <laughs> I, mean, I think you are missing the point. You do not need to know a huge deal about all these characters right now. Can I just say? The whole purpose of this film is for Cora to get no, to get all these film, these people to defend the village. Can I just say, it blows my mind that you are able to, I know you think it's good, but for me, it feels like you're forgiving the failings of a film to deliver a good film-based experience on the basis that, yeah, but it's okay because it's all just setting up for the next film. Because I think that's fine. Is it? Are you meant I to enjoy you need, the, you the setting be, up you itself? You need to be able to look the bigger picture with this film. This film, should have, bigger... this film should have been... I know we can come to this at the end, but I've got a different thing to say. There. Yeah, I've got Yeah, This film should have been a series where in each episode we learn about one of the people that they're going after. It would have, made, have, I mean, it would have made a better, se- it would have been a better end, television series. I'll give and you then that. at the end they arrive to get them. And by that point, we're like, well, I know all about you. I've had an, a 45 minutes, an hour with you to understand you know, your motivation. And, 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 and I'll even, give you that. It would have made a much better television series. And even if but it's the not. last thing was a film. Imagine what happened with Firefly and Serenity. If you'd had a series where you learned about the characters, like you did with Firefly, you learned all about that. And then it kind <clears> of, obviously, Firefly got cancelled and then came back for one film in Serenity. But if they did that, if they did a series... Where you, like you said, met all the characters, learned a bit about them, had to actually go through something to acquire their services, as opposed to going, "Hey, uh, em- do you, you like the Empire? Are you no. coming with? Are you gonna? Oh, brilliant! You're already on the ship. ship. Yeah, <laughs> great. Thank. Wait, are you, do you want to know what's happening? No, you're just yeah, happy to fight him. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it had been a series and then like a film at the end, that would have been interesting. Yeah. I would have forgiven that. But. Yeah. Anyway, we, we literally, of this review, we're literally in like the first scene, basically. 
I, I mean, it will get quicker. We're an hour in. You, you learn a lot. Well, of... I, I think we're just going to have to set releases as a two-part podcast. Oh, the two-part podcast. For the first part of the film. I think, we'll, I think we'll have to do it when it gets released. Tuesday, Wednesday, part one, part two. I think we'll have to split it, I think. Oh, That's interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's recap. So we've met Cora, we've met Gunnar, we've met Sindri, the father, the, the father of the village. We've met Atticus Noble, who is, who is like the, the, the big bad guy. He kills the father of the village, um, Sindri, and he gives them all an ultimatum that he's going to come back in 10 weeks and he wants his bushels. He wants his grain, okay? Now, this and he's is... not without generosity because they said nine weeks and he said, I'll be back in 10. Exactly. Well, he's got to give him a week to collect it all and put so it he in. He wants 10,000 bushels. Get it into bushels. Mm-hmm. Get the grain, but it takes the next He wants 80,000 gallons. Bushels. I mean, mm-hmm. how long do you think that's going to take for him to bag it up? He wants a it long time. Bushel-fied. Um, so, so yeah, he, he goes off and gives him 10 weeks. Got some errands to do. Yeah. Back in 10 weeks. So we now know the timeline. Now, this is all, I mean, like, this is why it's not the Fellowship. And this is why it's Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven, because you've got the small village that is, you know is going to be attacked again at a certain amount of time. The bandits are going to come back. Yeah. So they have to go off and find these warriors to defend the village. Noble leaves behind a small squad of men, yep. mostly South African. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Mostly South African. Two, definitely two. Two of them are South African. Very strong South African. One of them's Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean... They're left behind to make sure the villagers do what they want. Now, there are interesting characters actually in this. Like, they're not in it for very long, so we're not recasting them. There is another character um, who is called um, uh, Private... Sorry, Private Eris. He, like... And he, you can tell that he doesn't really like what is going on. Well, he does I don't think... He, I think it's more he just doesn't like the people he's with. Exactly. Not yeah. so much he doesn't like what's going on, he doesn't agree with his commanding officer. But he also... But he has seen, heart. He he does, the hell he yeah, has he's, heart, right? he's, he's not obviously not a baddie. All the other guys... Uh, I think it's probably because he's... You will probably find he's a bit like Cora in that he was swept up when he was young from, yes. his, from whatever planet was taken over, thrown into the military, and that's... And he, but he doesn't really want to be in it. Yeah. Uh, that's I mean, probably what we'll find out about him in part two. I think, and that's the thing, and I think that's the thing. We're just delaying for. That's why we've not recast him, is because we meet him and then we don't give a fuck about him until part two. So we also meet a Jimmy robot voiced by Anthony Hopkins, who are these like cybernetic AIs uh, again taken from Warhammer. You know, you've got the <laughs> you've got the Admech, oh, the um, Mechanicus, the Mechanicus. Yeah. Now he's a really interesting character because, as as Nick mentioned. They fought for the kings and queens. They were sort of the royal, not the royal guard, but they fought for this, like, ideal. And then when the royal family were assassinated, they all became pacifists. So these robots now don't fight, Um, which then leads to, like, him being bullied by the other soldiers and kind of pushed around and shot, and he won't attack back. Um, He, uh, you know, as Nick said, he goes to the river to sort of clean himself, and we meet another character who is this girl called Sam. And she, I think, um, basically what it's kind of hinting at is the, the princess that was assassinated, either we're going to learn that this is, Sam is the princess and Cora escaped with her oh, to okay. this planet, yeah. or she's sort of the reincarnation of right. this princess. Okay. I think it'd be better to go with Cora escaped with the princess, because it's all leading to basically Cora was the one that assassinated the king and queen. And the princess. Uh, we never learn what happened. You never learn what happened to them. But she has fled the Imperium and she's crashed down on this planet. And I think 
she crash landed with the princess. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> and and Jimmy, Jimmy the robot, he sees something in her and she touches his face and she gives him this flower crown and he kind of lights up and you can see that he sort of comes back to himself a little bit. So basically, Cora is now determined to just leave, leave this village to its fate. It is fucked because they're going to come back in 10 weeks. They're going to take the grain. They're going to kill everyone. Yeah, so she's getting ready to go. So she's getting ready to go. These soldiers have taken up residence, and they basically they take Sam, the water and the the water girl, um, this little farm girl, uh, little farm girl. She's she's like what, like maybe like late teens, late teens, early twenties, late teens, early twenties. Yeah, and they are going. Well, I don't think she's that old. Well, I I think I think she's I think she's, I mean probably for the sake of the film, she better be, but I don't think she is. I, I, <laughs> let's say she's like eighteen, nineteen. Because okay. what happens there? So these these then these soldiers take her and they're going to have their way with her. Yeah, they take so this her is led the by the two bad South African yeah. soldiers, Who, right? One mean, of which is Rupert Friend. Yeah, which is mental. It like the fact that Rupert Friend is in this as a character that just like he looks nothing like it. I would not have noticed him at all with his dyed blonde hair yeah. and super. He's got the highest trousers I've ever seen yeah. in that scene. And they're like up by his nipples, his trousers. That yeah. Point. Unbelievable. And the South African they were pretty, accent. Yeah, they were pretty high to be fair. They were pretty high. <laughs> um, so these soldiers take Sam and she sort of is screaming to not like, you know, get off her. Cora hears this and it kind of spurs her to take Def- action. Defender. Defender. She sees the axe. Yeah, and she she's head, like, she, she knows that it's all gone to shit. Now. She's like, here we go. This yeah. is going to be... I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to get back involved. So this private heiress, he actually says this is wrong and he tries to stop it, gets beaten up and you know held down. Um and Cora comes in and she kicks ass. Jimmy the robot comes in and shoots the final guy. But you have this thing where now they've kind of they've killed these soldiers. There is no coming back from that. Yeah. Can we talk about the fight scene in a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about the fight scene. I think it's great. Really, really good fight scene. I think Cora kicked ass. I mean, you, I don't know why you're laughing. Like, it's, it's a good fight scene. It's, she kicks ass. It's just so much slow motion rolling around and swinging around. For me, there's so much slow-mo that you lose any sense of, like, motion. Do you know what I mean? Any sense yeah. of kind of... Um, frantic kind of pace of fighting anything like that it's like super slow like the opposite of what you get in john wick yes exactly like john wick right we all know that keanu reeves is not actually an assassin but in john wick you're like fucking hell he could like kick someone's ass there i mean there's a lot of training he actually can do that stuff now but in this the slow motion makes it feel like i i admit it is a visually kind of interesting fight but it feels like Cora's winning because it says in the script she wins. Like, and I know that's a silly thing to say, but it, it, you're just like, you know, like any one of those. The guy could just walk up behind her and actually shoot her, yeah. but he chooses to go up and try and hit her with a gun. Yeah, it's just weird kind of things like that. Do you know, know, in video games, when the character you're playing has got a slow motion ability yeah. to slow down time, it's like that all the time, which is fine. But I didn't find the slow motion jarring in it. I didn't think the slow motion took anything away from that fight. I feel like for this and any future film, Zack Snyder needs to be given like a slow motion limitation. Yeah. Be like, careful now because you're up to your half an hour slow like, motion. You've got a blunt ban, right? He needs a slow motion ban. He needs a slow mo ban. And I will not disagree with that. I think there was <laughs> a lot of slow mo in this film where they're 
definitely didn't need to be slow-mo. But I don't think you could... I, I liked it in the fight. I didn't... It did not take me away from that fight. I thought it was a good fight. But didn't you think then... And then after that <clears throat> fight, the private's... He's done. His part in the film, done. Doesn't need to do anything more. But why? Why set up a character and then just say, done? Big picture. You've got to, I'm thinking big picture. That's why I'm enjoying this film more, because I'm allowing myself to think of the bigger picture. But you've set up a character, right? You've set up a character. You've gone out of your way to set up a character that um, is unhappy with where he is in the universe. He clearly has a soul because he tries to stop this. He's gone against his like commanding officers. He's willing to die to protect an innocent girl. He fights. He kills some people. You learn about him. Throughout, you say big picture. Imagine if we'd followed him and got his character progression and learnt to care about him. And then he does something in the next film. Even better. Even better. Not for this film. I'm not bothered about that character right now. Where I feel like we've got to the crux of your because I know films. I'm not bothered about Private Sam or whatever his fucking name is because he's not he's not the in the, he's not in the part of the big picture. Okay, right well, now, I'm glad you're thinking big picture. He is for further down the line, so I don't need to know more about him right now. So just like I don't need to know about the Water Girl. But I, speaking of it, I do like your theory. I think that's a really good theory, and I hope that is. I do hope that is the route they go with it. I like good. it, which is why another reason why Jimmy would not have gone. I'm not because saying, if your, if your right. theory turns out true and he realises, oh, hang on a minute, this is royalty, he's going to be making himself stay back and pretend. I don't pretend. think anyone's going to realise she's royalty. But I'm not saying Jimmy the, the should Jimmy have gone. Would. I'm not saying he should have gone. You're misinterpreting me. I don't think the whole film should have been gone. I don't think everyone should have gone. I think we should have, like, had Cora and maybe Gunner go off on this mission. We should have cut back to see how Jimmy and, um, and um, Private... Sorry... Private um, Aris are Private preparing privates. the village. How they're starting to fortify. Well, it. We don't get how anything like, back. We it, like, we, the reason the Lord of the Rings films are so great. The Lord of the Rings films. You managed to simultaneously follow three different storylines seamlessly. You follow Merry and Pippin. You follow Sam and Frodo, and you follow Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn. And it doesn't feel like three separate films. It feels like the time is moving and they're chasing each other down and they're, you know, they're working with each other and you're seeing stuff. If we cut back a bit and, and imagine all that time they spent, like, collecting these, like, soulless action figures of characters, if that had just been them on a journey to get this one character, this one general that had, like, blockades they had to get through and, like, troops they had to bypass... Or they had to like break into a jail to get him. Or imagine if they get there and realise he's already dead. And by that point, they've realised anyway through that journey, they don't need him. Yeah. Like, some of they absolutely would need more people because that village was not, def- not going to, it's not quit to defend against this fucking uh, imperial. I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. Like, like I said, like in Seven Samurai and in Magnificent Seven, it is about collecting these warriors and come back. <clears throat> the difference is these warriors are interesting human beings. And I think I think And all I, these characters are interesting characters. No, they're not. Well they might be, but we don't know that yet. Because we don't need to know all about their backstory just yet, do we? But you're dismissing a whole film saying big picture. I'm Why not dismissing the film it so much. Yeah. I'm not dismissing the film. I'm you're saying watching this film being like, God, the Scargiver is going to be good. Like, <laughs> right. it, probably, it probably will this be. Is shocking, man. But this is this is also um, a great film, right? I, I, we're still in the fucking village, right? So, <laughs> um, basically, yeah, Cora, Atreus, um, sorry, Arrest, 
and Jimmy save the girl. And then they decide they need to go and find warriors to help defend the village. Okay, so Gunnar and Cora go off because Gunnar's got um, connections to the Blood Axes, who are sort of the local rebels. Because he sold them some grain. Because right? he sold them some bushels. Right. They go off. Um, this episode is going to be called "How Big Is a Bushel," right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go off to sort of basically Moss Eisley. Um, <laughs> they go off to like sort of the the, the spaceport on the planet. Yes, which has kind of got a big, this. So we've gone from like Scandinavian Viking sort of feel to Wild this West. one Wild West kind of vaguely um, cyberpunk Asian Wild which West, which is fine. Which they is, kind which of is, work. Which is fine. Yeah, it's another sci-fi um, trope. I think on the way you kind of learn a lot about Cora. This is where you learn that Cora used to be. I mean, it's so fucking obvious. But oh, you she learn, has a back. You, this is where, like, the expedition is. Yep. Where around a campfire, she explains to Gunnar. It's flashback time. Flashback time. Um, you know what happened? Her whole family was killed. Her planet was destroyed. She was um, raised by Belisarius, who at that time was an imperial general. Raised up through the ranks, you know, fell in love, lost her love, but it's all done in like really quick Excellent snippets. Stuff. Of... We now have Cora's motive. We don't know, have her motive. We know. We now have her character. We know what's why. Why she's doing what she's done. We know why she's. I mean, we don't know why she ran away. You've obviously speculated, but we now know more about this character. It's good stuff. I. I do you know what? To, to be perfectly honest, I don't actually. There's there's like two flashback scenes, and I don't think it's overdone. I do think I they're think the, okay. I think yeah. the reason you're given the flashbacks is a bit tenuous. Like she's just like, I just want you to know a bit more about me. Is a bit tense. It was so like this is flashback time. Yeah, and then the yeah. next one is like, oh, this is fucking flashback. Like time if now. if something had happened where like say she had been in trouble, and Gunner saved her, or say like he was like say he I don't know fucking say he got like stung by a fucking insect and was gonna like pass out and stop that she had to tell him a story to keep him awake just some reason or maybe like one interact. of the troops in the barn recognises her like yeah, yeah. Exactly. and then it all goes back exactly yeah. and he's like I know her I know her she she used to be called what's her other name oh Arthalaeus uh, Arthalaeus fucking King Arthur oh god so Arthalaeus yeah and if he's like I knew her she was Arthalaeus or even Jimmy the fucking robot had been like stories of Arthalaeus have been around right. since I was you know and then started expositioning think about her story but told with Anthony Hopkins voice mm. oh. much better anyway chef's kiss anyway right. so we're, we're in we're in this sort of um, outpost town they're looking for either the blood axes or like a ship to get them to the rebels two of my favourite things in this film are about to happen is it? Well, no, is they're, it? They're, look, they're at this village to look for the contact. They are, yeah. Which, when they arrive, they, the Imperium are taken away and they're like, shit. Yeah, these hawk shores? Hawk thorns? I, I think, yeah, I think basically they're bounty hunters. They're like mercenaries for hire, right? Yeah, bounty yeah, yeah. Hunters. They've so actually, they are actually, just capturing them. Probably the coolest thing in this are the crates that kind of, they basically have these crates that open up. Yeah, it's like and a they metal like, spine. Yeah, metal spine and it locks you in place and then it's got these legs which walk you along. Probably the coolest thing in the whole film. It's really cool. And what's it, what I found amazing about this scene is, whilst Cora and Gunnar are watching the mercenaries walk off of this captured contact, they're in an alleyway, right? Probably about no more than 10 metres away. And they're talking really loudly about like, do you think we should go after someone else? Maybe we should do this. Like, about what their plan is. But also, there's like three mercenaries. <laughs> and Cora's like, is that the guy we need? Yeah, that's the guy we need. <laughs> oh, 
Like, fucking kill those mercenaries and get the guy in there. <laughs> yeah. Why we'll go we'll in the bar? We'll anyway, in. so they walk off without seemingly Cora, who is kick-ass, <laughs> yeah. killing, like, the three of them. The what, and, and retrieving the one, and retrieving the one person they need. And they go into this bar. Yes. Uh, oh, now, man. Nick, you love this well, I'm, I'm going to jump in there. There's, they, she's obviously had a reason for not just wanting to run out in the middle of nowhere. Well, mid, out in the open of a, in, in kill three bounty hunters. She's not... In, you know, she's obviously she's playing it safe. It's in much the bar, better to go into the bar and go, "Hey, we're we're looking for the uh, blood axe. <laughs> we, we need Titus." <laughs> and then kill four yeah, people. Admittedly, stupid decision to make. Say, right. but there is obviously a reason why she's gone. She's not just ran why out and killed three bounty hunters. Why are you giving this? Why are you such a pain. Yeah, you're there's so obviously a reason. The reason is they wanted the film to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, they could have got around this by having forty fucking guys there, and then you would have been like. All right, I get it. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, there could have been a reason, but they haven't shown us the reason. Atticus just could been, have been there. Atticus could have been right. there. I don't, they, been... You don't need to show Atticus. But you need to show something. This is two guys. Just use your fucking imagination. There's a reason she's not jumping <laughs> out. You don't need to be shown everything. You don't need your hand held for fucking everything, do you? What I'm just saying. You don't need like, them to hold your hand through this film and go, oh, this is why she's not jumping out because there's this many blokes. Just I go, just sit there and go, there's probably a reason. Is there not a difference between leaving things open to interpretation, which is an amazing technique? Yeah. An amazing technique to not have to, I totally agree, to not have to, and arguably that's something this film could have done so much more, is let you fill it in with interpretation. No, because it shows you Everything and there's and there's, a, there's a big difference between leaving interpretation. But you've gone from a scene where she kills like ten trained soldiers in a bar to not taking on three thugs who have got the one thing they need to save this village, and she then goes and takes on like five thugs. Like it's just it doesn't make sense. If you'd had that, but like, and she went to attack, or Gunner went to get them. And she stopped them, and you suddenly saw a fucking kick-ass, like, drone with lots of guns go past. And you were like, oh, okay. She saw that they I'm, wouldn't I'm be I'm not arguing that it could have been done better. It's, I'm not yeah, saying no, it no, okay, so we agree. I'm not saying it couldn't have been done better. I'm just saying there is a, probably a reason why she hasn't jumped out and done well, it. You can't say probably... You... What? <laughs> <laughs> but by your analogy, then, every film is a great film. Because you just haven't seen the thing that makes no, it not, make sense. No, it's not true. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Like, the, I'm not saying. Why this did you film just assume not, that, that? I'm not saying that things could have sad. been. I'm not saying things could not have been done better. I'm, I'm not at one point. I'm not at any point said this is a perfect film. Oh, I'm not claiming it to be. I'm not claiming it to be a perfect film. I am saying that I am looking at the bigger picture overall when it comes to the characters. I am, you know, and there is probably, and I am, and I am using the method of interpretation to decide why certain things haven't happened because I'm not having my hand held while watching this fucking film. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. you love the bar scene, so right. let's go for it. Well, my notes continue as I was watching the bar scene, um, and again, I've wrote down um, every alien possible to fit into the bar scene. Yeah. This is the Star Wars bar scene, right? Big yeah. time. It's like, how many different cool alien designs can I show you at once? <laughs> only thing it was missing. I mean, I, it needed I, I, an alien band. Admittedly, I was thumbing it in my head when I was watching the scene. <laughs> it, it, needed, it needed that kind of music. It was like, I don't how, like you. <laughs> how many cool alien designs can we cram in? Quite a few. Quite I mean, there's, there's some good... Although, to be and fair, I don't see it as a bad thing. The, no, I don't. I don't. But I think... Uh, 
as as yeah, as you've said, the, the barkeeper, right? Yeah. Like this like robotic candle with candles on his back. Like I, I couldn't tell if it was like cyberpunk, if it was medieval, if it was a bit sort of video gamey. It was like a super cool design, but like in and of itself, not yeah. in the setting of being a barkeep. And we don't really get anything more from it. It just serves the drink. Like we don't there's no extrapolation of to why the design like do you know what right so say this is what we're talking about about like because you can say like oh i don't hold his hand you don't need to be anything it could be anything but imagine like the guy behind the bar had backs full of tanks full of different liquors and liquids and things awesome that makes sense as a barkeep not candles all the one that had candles maybe the one that had candles was like in the corner playing music and stuff great and so he needed to like you know he had his own light so it was a performance thing but this is what we're talking about there were so many like cool things but just like it didn't like it was just like I'll pluck that and put it there for no reason. Like the coolest alien was this little bug thing that like controlled the Starship Troopers brain. Yeah, bug. that like spoke through this like husk. Yeah. So he had like a cable coming from this body, and he spoke through this like zombie person. Really cool. Really cool. But, yeah. But does does the person walk? Does he sit on the person's shoulder? How do they move? There wasn't like a chair, like a moving chair. Like when all the shit hits the fan, he just detaches from that husk and runs. Yeah. Does that mean like that husk was a bar patron that he just... <laughs> now again, Everyone turned that, a blind eye. I buy that. Of You don't need to know the answer to that. That's an interesting little... I wonder what happened there. So I think... but And then there's one alien, which is... This is my favourite character in the whole film, and that is Kinky Pigman. Kinky Pigman. Kinky Pigman is great. Kinky Pigman is. Great. I understand Kinky Pigman's motivation. Oh, I bet you do. He wants himself a bit of human man flesh. Yeah. In the bedroom department. So he goes up. And this is quite funny actually, because he goes up and I don't know. You maybe think or tropes in the past he would like try and hit on Cora. He doesn't. He tries to hit on Gunner. He's all about Gunner. Yeah. Grabs Gunner by his his gun. <laughs> Likes what he sees. <laughs> and he's like, "How much for your like servant?" I think he assumes she's like his master or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, "How much?" And like, "Not for sale." And he's like. Give your friend doesn't like you, and I don't like you. And you can understand why he would think Gunner's the servant, because Gunner just oozes bitch, really, doesn't he? It's <laughs> the most accurate thing. He just oozes bitch. Um, and so he, like, he like tries to fight Cora, and she beats him up and says, get out of here. And he's gone, like, two seconds. Yep. And in that time, it's enough time for Cora just to go, hey, we're looking for rebels. <laughs> does, anyone, uh... does anyone know any rebels? And does anyone know the, the General Titus? And then luckily, one of the papers is like, yeah, no, exactly where he is. He'll want to go here. And then they're like, oh, thank you very much. I think that was going to work, but that totally worked. Um, Weird brain bug knew exactly where Titus was. But I could just say, Titus isn't the rebel leader. Titus is like a former imperial general who like rebelled against the imperium, got his like whole squad killed. Something And is now like hidden somewhere. Yeah. And it's never quite clear whether their main motivation is to get him or the blood axes. I don't fucking know. I think they just want both of them. They want both. They want both. Fine. They don't care. Because the the blood axes are the rebel force. So that being said, are they? Yes. (laughs) Horny pig man comes back with a few guys like, more than there were bounty hunters. He's super motivated <laughs> to get his hands on Gunner, right? He's got great motivation. He wants what he wants. He just and wants some s- farmer dick. He's got the arguably the biggest story arc in yeah. this film. Yeah. Anyway, so Cora takes him and his henchmen out, and we meet the next character, Kai. Kai. Who's played by... Uh, <laughs> played by Charlie Hunnam. 
Hunnam. He's Thai. Yeah, who <laughs> plays is Irish. It's from Northern you, Ireland. You seem fucking interesting there. <laughs> I, do you know what? I do everything for money. <laughs> uh, you've got no money, so I'm going to help you. Why? Kai actually shoots the uh, kinky pigman. Yeah. Basically, are we calling him Han Kai Solo, basically? He is a shit Han Solo, isn't he? He's a shit Han Solo. <laughs> so he's played by Charlie Hunnam, who is good. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have heard us try and recast him in other things or talk about him being I good. I think I did recast him in Gladiator. Yeah, there we are. See, he's, he's, he's good. <clears throat> he's a good actor. So, uh, who's got him? I've got him. You've got him. Yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Nick, so. we, we, we swapped. Nick's got him. I Nick. then managed to negotiate a swap scene with oh. James. Whoopsies. I gave him Tarak. Oh, yeah. Prince like, Tarak. Prince Tarak. And I've got Kai. I've got Kai. Well, he surely will be and played I, by Johnny Depp. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm, just try, I'm just confirming the other role that Charlie Hunnam read for in this film. Oh, interesting. That would be interesting. No, and whether it would have he actually begged Zack Snyder to swap the roles mm. and get the role of Kai instead of... I'm going to assume... Gunner, I reckon. Gunner, Gunner. I'm guessing. Well, get, get, assuming by the fact that there's a massive picture of Ed's screen, it was Atticus. Um, oh. I think they're right. I don't think... I think I think Ed's scheme is better as Atticus than... Agreed. Agreed. So, but who do you think might make a better Kai? Uh, well, Kai... So, it's got this inexplicable... Um, I just uh, think, uh, in and of itself, it's fine to do another accent in a role... But it's just like at this point, what are we in the film? We're like 20 minutes in? Yeah, a, lot, a lot more than that. We're like an hour what? into the No, we're not. We're like a 20 minutes in. We're not 20 minutes in. We are like 20 minutes no, in. No, we're not. 20 minutes in, we're still in the village. We oh. have not left the village after 20 minutes. Okay, well, wow. Well, there we are then. Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to get it up on Netflix and I'm going to see. You guys <laughs> We are not 20 minutes into this film. Okay, but we've... we've, we've had a single setting really the farm right if we are 20 this minutes into in... this film Sam this review is going to be about 10 hours long <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you this review is going to be about 10 hours long the rest of this we can breeze through though using using your own words of how you experience this film it breathes by the rest of everything else breezes by so we do you know what is it's it a bit further it, in it's 50 minutes in oh. it is 50 minutes in okay but I agree it's the second it's the second big it's the second location right? yeah at this point, we've been exposed to a lot of accents already, haven't yeah. we? We've had South African, we've had all the Scandinavian accents. Posh English. Posh English. Um, we've had Cora's accent, which I don't know if she's just using her own kind of Algerian yeah, But this, that's accent. great. It means that it's showing diversity in the world. It's not just being like, we're in one location, everyone's got the same fucking accent. Yeah, but like, think... hang on, if you're going to show diversity, then why not have like different languages, alien languages. Like, you're not... All, all, I have to say, all accents do in sci-fi films is remind us that actually everyone's just from Earth. Like, totally that's totally agreed. And, and why, if you wanted South Africa, why don't you cast as fucking South African actor for the role as well? I don't know, it's just very, very, very odd. And then, spoiler alert, right at the very end of the film, we, we hear a character speak who is also really heavily Irish, Northern Irish, um, played by an actor who's from that region. So it's like a really weird choice for Charlie and him to, to have this um, Irish accent. Anyway, and for this role... So Unless in is... the second film, it's going to turn out that Charlie Hunnam is from the same planet as this other character. Ooh, well, he's 
fucking dead now, isn't he? So well, yeah, but you might be a reason why he was helping. Oh. So um, yeah, he is like what is he? He's a thief. He's kind of this space solo. thief. He's Han Solo. He's sort of a happy-go-lucky um, space dude. He's got a ship. Um, he did the castle run in mm-hmm. twelve parsecs. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, what did I think about this role? I, what, I, what I felt like from this role, and I'm thinking about the ensemble of, of the, the ragtag group that get brought together, is I felt like it was missing a little bit of wisdom and experience. And I mean people of, of kind of an older generation as well. So I went for a casting choice that I felt like might just sort of lend a different dynamic um, I don't know if this is a bit of a curveball, but I've cast Tommy Lee Jones as Gunner. Oh, yeah. As Kai. Yeah. As, as Kai. Kai. Oh, yeah. Sorry, as Kai. So I feel like he would have that really kind of... That's really old. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he's like in his 70s now, I think. So yeah, he's... he's not older old. than that? Yeah, is he not Harrison Ford age? Uh, he's a bit younger than Is he not 80s? Ford. He's a bit younger than He's a bit younger, is he? But I mean, I mean even, even so, I feel like he... Do, he I mean, the only action he does, he shoots one person. Yeah. The rest is flying a ship. He doesn't and need to do. Yeah, he doesn't actually need to do anything. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, all right, that's fair. I, I I don't think it needs to be older. Mm. Um, like for what the character does, like you can you can you buy that Charlie Hunnam's character knows what he knows and stuff. Mm. But I actually like the idea of like. A much older character, especially Tony Jones, is amazing. It's just super, super good. Like and grizzled and just like grizzled, right? He's it would lend depth to this world we're trying to build because he's some. He would feel like someone that's lived in this universe, this setting for a long, long time, right? He's seen countless things happen. He's grizzled. He's wizened. Um, he's meant. He's kind of integral to pulling the group together because he's flying the ship. He's got all the contacts. You should he should feel like, like someone mega. Well, he hasn't got the contacts. He knows where they all are. Well, right. So this. So right. <clears throat> can I? Can I just say something? This now. This is skipping way ahead, and it's spoilers and stuff. But not spoiler. Spoiler. Kai's character. The twist is he's a bad guy. He betrays. He's the rest a bounty hunter, right? And he says, and he says the reason I did this was to collect all these bounties and find these people. But he tells them where these people are. <laughs> he knew where they were. He knew where they are. He took them to these people. So why did he need them? Why didn't he just go there and collect the bounty? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going Bigger off. picture. No, not bigger picture. I'm just using head that he needs, these, needs them because he's not trustworthy. They're not going to just come with him. But he doesn't need them to come with him. You've just seen him and his gang take that guy in one of those crates. If he knows where they are, go and take them by force. <laughs> I think the point is at this stage. Yeah, it's like, he, he also needs Arthur matter. Leif, doesn't he? He needs her because she's one of the bounties. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So he's clocked eyes on that and gone, that's a bounty. I'll spill some shit. She could make her think that she's, maybe make her think she's doing this when actually <clears throat> I'm the puppet master and at the end, hey! Up you go. Gunner, you're still a bitch. Get down on your knees. So anyway, but yeah, to, on terms of the betrayal, I think that if you can imagine it being Tommy Lee Jones, who oh. up until that point, you'd have kind of really grown to love. I yeah. think he's got that sort of wise fatherly and warm figure. fatherly figure. Exactly. That would really have developed. Oh, but only then he betrays everyone. You'd be like, fuck. 
So I Sorry, think that honey. could be. Things, yeah. It happens, you know, just that yeah. like. Yeah. You you'd be like, oh, he's such a baddie. So I think that it could be really cool. Would he be playing it Irish, isn't it? No. No. <laughs> Not necessary. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> we now have our pilot, Tommy Lee Jones, brilliant Kai, who now agrees to take them to find this. Uh, he agrees to take them to find this general, this General Titus. Um, and he says, but on the way, I actually know someone else that might help your cause. <laughs> it just, there's a lot of conveniences in this. <laughs> but like now that Kai is here, yeah. now the story can happen. Yeah. Because he knows everybody. Okay. Yeah. So he, he says, on the way, I know of this guy that might help you. Um, he's in a spot of bother. We might need to like, you know, rescue him. But if we can do that, he'll join your cause. And we're halfway through the film, mate. We're halfway through the film. <laughs> Ooh, so that was the end of part one of uh, Rebel Moon and Shard of Fire. We hope you enjoyed it. We definitely did. We promise. Um, the chat, at least. It was really interesting. I hope you enjoyed the um, quite extreme differences of opinion on that one. And we look forward uh, to sharing part two with you really soon. Love you so much. Farewell. Movie guest roll, guest roll.